Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Wealth Tech Show. This week, we've been placing a lot of focus on banking and, more importantly, neobanking for The Wealth Tech Weekly Newsletter. We're going to touch upon these themes now as I chat to Tish DeZoysa, co-founder and chief vision officer, great job title, Tish, of <laughs> gift card provider, Their Perfect Gift. Um, Tish, thank you for joining me. Pleasure. Thank you for thank you for having us. You've, you've, got, to, you've got to explain that, that job title. I, <laughs> even when I saw it on your on your LinkedIn, I do, I do look at people's LinkedIn's, I should admit this. Um, I saw Vision was, was kind of in quotation marks. So uh, yeah, talk us through that one. Well, I, um, I, I listened to quite a bit of a chap called Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. And, and he, was, he was mentioning that, you know, once you're leading an organization, then what does chief executive officer mean? What does that actually mean? It's much better the fact that the person at the top, is, they're the ones coming up with the ideas and they've got to get the other team to implement it. He said it much better would be a vision officer. So I thought, actually, that's quite cool. So you've rolled I love that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. New, new approach to things. Yeah. Well, I think CEO sounds sounds cool. I can't. <laughs> it sounds important. Maybe I've been programmed. I don't know. Um, anyway, Tish, I, I've mentioned banking and neobanking just there. Uh, and your, your company, if I'm not mistaken, fits better within Paytech rather than banking, would you agree? Yeah, um, retail technology. I think retail tech, yeah, okay. uh, is how I, I've I've always sort of pushed us. But in order to create what we've done, we've effectively had to create the same tech stack as what people are commonly calling neo banks. And that's exactly why I, I invited you on because we, we've spoken in the past. We've met a few times uh, in the past, and and just to start, their perfect gift. Um, it's a it's a prepaid gift card, but it's not like any other gift card, I assume. I'm not trying to sell your product for you, Tish, I promise. Um, but, but, like, I what... don't mind. You keep going. <laughs> I'm, I'm more worried about my own credibility at this point. But um, Tish, like, what was the idea behind it? And, and what, what, do you, what do you do? Okay, so uh, the idea came from, and just to give a bit of background. So I come from the world of insolvency. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm a chartered accountant, um, trained as in audit, et cetera, and, and then moved into insolvency. In fact, I'm still there. I'm actually a consultant for an outfit called Moorfields. But um, back in 2003, in my firm back then, we were doing the administration of all sports. It's about 200 mm-hmm. plus stores. And, we, and I'd realized there were millions of pounds, as it was, in paper vouchers that we had, gift, gift vouchers, which were totally worthless. Right, the retailer's gone bust. It's not coming back. And those vouchers are worthless. So my idea back in 2003 was, why doesn't someone create a gift card that protected the consumer against retailer insolvency. Yeah, and that, was, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I assume the card now can be used in, well, how, how many retailers can you use the cards in? So so when you look at the retail sector, you, it, and it's grown, right? So the last count, which is only a couple of years ago, the market in the UK alone was 7 billion. 7 mm. billion pounds are spent on gift cards and vouchers in the UK alone. And the vast majority you can only use in that one specific retailer that they've been issued for. Our one, our gift card, you can redeem in 32 million retailers globally. So you're not tied to one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, you don't get stuck with an insolvent company or you don't get stuck with things from a company that you're never going to buy anything from. Correct. And that's essentially it. Okay, well, look, you're you're actually in a growing market. I I found a report on on the UK prepaid card market. And and I, I sometimes mention these reports because people who write these... 
I swear, there must be some kind of convention to give them the worst name possible. Because this is the United Kingdom prepaid card and digital wallet business and investment opportunities data book, market size and forecast, consumer attitude and behavior, retail spend reports. Now, that's great, isn't it? That is a mouthful, isn't it? That is. I've written that down. I think anyone can tell I've written that down. There is no way I'm remembering that. But it, it, it gave me some interest. Well, I found some interesting things from it, which is that the prepaid card market has grown at an, an annual or compound annual growth rate of 8.7% between 2017 and 2021. Um, and it's forecast to achieve growth of 10.5% between 2022 and 2026. Um, so... That's that's a grow That's a good place to be, right, Tish? It's nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, and um, <laughs> so going back to your, your point with the um, the gift cards, insolvencies, and your idea, yeah. people just lose their money, right, when when a gift card expires, when a company goes bust. Yes. So legally, the holder of a gift card for a retailer that's gone in insolvent, legally they are classed as an unsecured creditor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if an administrator is appointed. There's no legal obligation for them to accept that gift card. Now, often they do because they are looking to preserve the value of the brand, especially if the brand is going to get sold on. So what you don't want to do is upset and alienate your uh, customer base. What you might do is come up with strategic ways to say, right, you can spend uh, on a purchase. Only 50% of it can be used with a gift card, etc. Because that money has already been spent by the company. Mm -hmm. It's not ring-fenced. It's used in its normal working day-to-day capital. Working capital, yeah. Day-to-day working capital. Yeah, and, and looking at the banking side of things, so you, your card uh, operates via, via MasterCard, right? And my question to you here is, is, is did you consider getting a, a banking license yourself? Would that have in any way made it easier to operate uh, that perfect no. gift? No, because we, we operate in an environment where when someone buys our card, um, the actual load value on the card is, is ring-fenced. Mm-hmm. and held with a MasterCard uh, uh, issuer in a secure account, right? So, and that's for the benefit of the cardholder. So it's not used in our working, working capital. A banking license basically will give us the ability to lend out the money, which then basically takes away the fact that it's ring-fenced. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and, and what's your experience of working with, with banks and neobanks? Have, have you worked with any, you know, from the, from the perspective of, of being co-founder and chief vision officer yeah so like i said we, we we've got the same tech stack as what people are commonly calling neobanks yeah but we are a spend anywhere gift yeah. card right yeah and quickly what, what gives you i'm not obviously you know your stuff tish but what gives you confidence that you've got the same tech stack because i know exactly how they're they're all put together mm-hmm. right so we came into a market when it was originally called prepaid now it's called fintech yeah. <laughs> so and it's very sexy right so and there's a lot of money going into it but we've mm. done it with no no external um well i should say institutional money we've only had what they now define as pre-seed money yeah so um and, and i've seen them i've seen the ones that have gone bust and i've i've looked deeply and i've, I've whether we even buy some of these things and i i genuinely couldn't find anything in there that they've got that i didn't already have under the bonnet right yeah? Yeah, and and so you've not worked with many of these companies then? I wouldn't say we've worked with them. Some of them are actually our customers. They are buying our gift card for their staff or their customers. In fact, we have a number of uh, more more high street banks buying our product for their staff and for their customers. So on that level, you know, we are working with them. We we do actually have a, a clearer 
that, that we use obviously for our banking facilities. Yes. Mm-hmm. But we, we are taking that technology and, and, and focusing it in a different area, which is, which is the gift card sector. Yeah. And, and where, where do you see neobanks fitting into the picture generally? Because obviously there's the traditional banks people put their money with and, and whatever. We, we know for a fact that a lot of people have an account with a traditional bank, but they also have a neobank for something else. Might be for some a savings kind of account. It might be for foreign exchange. It might be for, it might even be like a, you could even, I guess, potentially count a prepaid card as something similar. What, what do you think the role of a neobank is right now? Well, I think they're trying to work it out themselves, right? Um, in that running these operations isn't cheap. And with uh, neobanks, many of them using prepaid rails, and, and many of them don't have banking licenses, which mainly means that they cannot lend out the deposits that have come in. Like us, they have to keep them ring-fenced, right? You can't collateralize it. You can't lend it out. Mm-hmm. It's got to sit there. And you have to pay for it to sit there. And then you've got to pay each time the cards are used by the public. Now, if the public isn't paying for it, someone's paying for it. And that's often being done through investors. Yes. So I think there are many of them are still trying to work out what that what that long-term business model looks like and now it's just about getting people into the ecosystem yeah and yes. we're talking here about neobanks growing but not being profitable as they do so yeah correct and, and look profit is a subjective number right revenue is is there mm-hmm. cash right it's all about the cash and your cash burn but let me try and define this equation if a company loses money to provide a product or a service to a consumer all they are doing is giving that consumer their money. And that money is coming from, by and large, one of three places. One, it's going to come from past profits. But many of them don't have any. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to come from debt, but no one is going to lend to a company that cannot repay it. Or it's going to come from equity investors. And there we've got our probably our winner. Yes, yeah. And all that's really doing is giving the consumer money to use a product to get them into an ecosystem in the hope that you can potentially sell them something else. And that is a model that's not just used by many neobanks, but it's being used by music streaming businesses or social social media platforms or even the media as itself. Because you're giving something of value with one hand, drawing someone in, in the hope that you can sell them something with the other hand. That's kind of a formula. Yeah, yeah. And we, we see it a lot, don't we? And I guess it's something to... Not necessarily panic about, but just be aware of when you're considering the long-term viability of these businesses. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I think, you know, those listening to this and those that may have a, a neo-bank card in their wallet will consider now their behavior in that I think, and I'm going to go on a go on a gut feel, but most of their salaries are being paid into their traditional bank. And they are then moving their money into a neo-bank for the use case. So if they're going to go on foreign holidays, they might use a neobank that's giving them spot rate. That's great, but it's not really giving that neobank the revenue it needs to get going, right? Um, or they might move it into um, something else, you know, their kids' pocket money, et cetera, et cetera. But, but the, as the cards are being used, it's costing that business money. Yeah, and it seems very much kind of if X, then Y. And we've, just, we've defined the X as scale users you know, a bit of money going through the system, but, but the why perhaps is not so well defined. Yeah, and, and then I go back to the whole Simon Sinek thing, right? Because, and I'm, you know, he says some great things and, and he says it is, he codifies, codifies the system, which is why, 
you know, people talk about the what and the how. They don't, they don't actually talk about why. Why are they doing something? What's the point? And, and I think with financial services, it's fundamentally just about money. Right? Mm. That's it, the movement of money and making money. It's not really, is it, are people inspired by that? By moving money around and making lots of money? It's what you can do with money, right? That yeah, counts. absolutely. Yeah. A lot of our listeners are financial planners, so they'll enjoy that. So <laughs> nicely done, Tish. Um, <laughs> yeah. Another question, like you mentioned money. I'm going to ask you a boring economic question. Go for it. Um, which is obviously, well, actually, it's not that boring. Inflation is quite high right now, right? Yeah. Interest rates are low, but they appear to be steadily rising. Does that have any impact on the prepaid uh, gift market? I realize the cards have an expiry date of a year, which isn't a significantly uh, you know, long amount of time. But but do you notice any impact of inflate you know for inflation interest rates on what you're doing? No, in fact we we are seeing growth right, and we we don't even we don't spend horrendous amounts on marketing. We don't pay people to use our product. They're coming in and they're paying themselves right, and we see an increase, and it's the use case. So people are often using gift cards, and it's not just people. It's corporates. Most of our customers are corporates. They are using it to reward staff. Mm-hmm. loyalty, recognition, you know, a job done well outside of the whole payroll or they are rewarding customers or or it's service recovery. Yeah, we messed up, really sorry. Yeah. And, you know, they could give a gift card for a particular retailer, great. But you've got to know that person spends in that in that retailer. When we take that guesswork out, yeah, right? And, and we make the whole process secure, et cetera. And we see it, we're seeing growth. So we're not, we're not impacted by interest rates going up or down. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of, of our customers still staying afloat, right? And and using it as a as a mechanism by which to reward staff or customers. Yeah, and, and looking at the the use case thing, let's look at the use case for their perfect gift. Because on the one hand, it's a gift card that can be used pretty much anywhere, which is great if you want to get someone a gift card and don't know what the hell to buy them. <laughs> I've got to say, that's, you know, <laughs> as someone who's not always been the best gift gift giver. Over the years, that's uh, that's an appreciated uh, characteristic of of their perfect gift. But there are other things I've noticed. You're you're doing cardholder perks as well, so uh, hotel discounts, cash back on groceries. Can you can you explain how that works? Yes. Yeah, so we wanted to provide more of a uplift uh, for people that buy our cards and those that receive it. So we we because of the scale that we're getting and the relationships we're building, we've actually got our own store where we're able to sell physical product, branded products, which are below retail price. And, um, you know, that's all there. We're not taking a cut on that. We're just passing it all through. Um, and it's just a way to give people extra perks. Mm-hmm. Same with hotels. So we should be able to provide uh, hotel rates cheaper than they'll be able to get it across um, uh, across other platforms. We get a discount and we're not keeping it. We're passing it all through. And, and, you know, the, the grocery piece, that which we're going to launch uh, this month in, in beta, should be able to provide people a 3% return. Not bad. Yeah. Right? And more importantly, make a donation to charitable endeavor. Yeah, and, and exactly. And again, that's where the interest rates, those boring interest rates kind of become actually fairly, fairly worthwhile to yes. mention. Um, and actually, you know, looking at these things and the uses of gift cards, I, I did a bit of reading and found some interesting stuff. I know no more boringly named reports, <laughs> I promise. Um, but I, I, I found um, reports from Herefordshire County Council. If you're listening from Herefordshire, then hello. Um, they, they launched a prepaid £15 uh, shop local card in 2021. 
to aid the lockdown recovery, which is quite interesting. Uh, and PayPal has launched a, a PayPal generosity network, uh, which allows people to raise money for charities when they make payments, which is, again, quite interesting. So it seems like the prepaid market is, is kind of operating, you know, in addition to banks or so working with banks, people are probably sending the money from their traditional account to, to these other accounts, and we're finding new uses. So it's, it's quite interesting. There are a few a few test cases there. Oh, or there's... cases, sorry. Yeah, I mean, there's loads. Even when we didn't even think about it. Think about your Oyster card. Mm-hmm. It's a prepaid card. Yep. Yeah. Um, all these things are, are there. We've never really considered it. A gift card for a retailer is a prepaid card. You have put the money up front. It's not credit. It is prepaid. It is, I think, if you want to call it, pay now, buy later. Yeah. <laughs> And here's the thing, I I doubt you have to be worried about this, but I'm wondering if you've looked into it at all, what would you do, you know, are, are banks at all looking at offering these perks themselves, or do you think they've got no interest in doing that? Uh, I think they may, they may, and I think the new, the new generation of banks, if you want to call them that, um, have been exceptional at the marketing, right, they've got a lot of engagement. But that engagement has been the cost of investor cash. Right? Mm-hmm. You're effectively losing money to get people into an audience. Then what are you going to do with them? And the only thing I can really see happening at the moment is then trying to sell them traditional products. Um, uh, an overdraft, a loan, but these are all old stuff, right? And then even now we've got buy now, pay later. Great. It's still credit, still movement of money. And then it still comes down to why? Yeah. Why do you exist? <laughs> lot of, there's a lot of competition, especially in the UK. Right? But what we can't do is assume that other territories are like ours, because they're probably not. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, our, our, well, our situation is, is unique. As you say, buy now, pay later is particularly uh, well on the rise at the moment. And the impact of that isn't particularly good, in my opinion. But um, well, for some people, for some people, for some people, that, yeah. That, yeah, that's a fair caveat. Yeah, and and it's you know it's a form of credit. It's credit. Mm-hmm. We use credit cards. We'll use um, um, we use higher purchase, and I think it's a it's a credit feature. But <clears throat> lots of people will get um, stung with it as they did with credit mm-hmm. cards. But what I did notice or am noticing is many of our younger adults aren't using credit cards. And they're using a lot of online shopping, so they need a credit facility. And this is what the buy now, pay later market has sort of tapped into. And mm. that's cool, as long as you manage it. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, I'm not anti-payment innovation, I should, ah. I should add. <laughs> um, yeah, but but absolutely. Um, here, here's one for you. Did you receive any information on what the, the their perfect gift uh, gift card money is spent on? Like, do you have any idea what, what people are using the cards for? Yeah, we can we can see that data. We can see that data, but... Um, it's a real mixed bag of things, right? And some people would use it on their groceries because that's at that time what they want. It's what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, some people use it at the petrol pump, and that's cool. Um, others are, yeah, it's some random places, and you know, some people will use it on the main um, uh, internet shopping sites, as you, as you might imagine. But one of the things we try to do, especially during the lockdown, environment was to encourage people to spend in their local economies yeah yeah because you know best will in the world there are some internet shopping websites they've got enough money what we need to do is try and feed our local economies and them to recover yeah as the evolution of the cards you know 
taking you off guard at all? Because when you've started, obviously you've come from this insolvency story and trying to you know have a, a, a better way to give gift cards and a more accessible way to, you know, to spend them. It seems to me like you've gone on a journey from that to doing groceries, doing hotel discounts. You know, is that, that's not what you intended to do, is it? Nah, well, it's all part of a larger play, right? And um, remember the gift card for retailers has been an acquisition vehicle mm. for years since the humble book token. And we've provided a solution to problems regarding where people don't know where to buy the product or, or insolvency, right? That was where it all came from. However, we do have a growing community. And we've got here without any institutional money. And I think we, we currently sit on, a, on an environment where we could try and do some good with it mm-hmm. in the movement on money. And again, it comes down to the why, okay? And, and in financial services, I don't believe people are loyal. They're not loyal to organizations. They are loyal to what they get from organizations. And, and people, organizations have an innate conflict of interest. Because if they make profits, they have to give it back to shareholders. Now, if we make profits, I could choose to give them away to charitable endeavors because I'm not conflicted, right? Now, I'm a capitalist, don't get me wrong, but I believe that there is a version of capitalism that will allow businesses to spread their profits around, right? Give it away into society where it's best used. Yeah. Right? And I think that really speaks to your, your comment around the why, because, you know, fintech has caused a, a huge acceleration of, of, of change. Things, are, you know, new ideas, innovations are popping up. But I think a question that seems to get overlooked sometimes, as you say, is why. It's the ethics of the whole thing. It's, it's what's the actual benefits to society of this thing becoming a success. We, we sometimes just look at can we do it rather than should we do it. Correct. And, and I, fi- I find that really interesting. So from the, from the kind of positive impact stuff you've done, what, what outcomes have you achieved so far? What kind of charities have you been working with? Well, it's a long journey, right? Because I, I made a classic mistake here and I, I tried to create a sustainable business first and then I thought investment would find us. Mm-hmm. But it didn't because apparently you've got to sell the dream first, get loads of money and then make time. <laughs> but that's okay because we've gone through all sorts of struggles, right? You know, we've survived the effectively the, the decline of two issuers. We've got through covid and we've had our best ever couple of years. And we've done it with no institutional money. I think in total, 315 grand of investment with, mm-hmm. with uh, SEIS and EIS, that's 200 that's gone back. So net investment of 115 grand. I'm okay with that. But now it puts us at a position where we can springboard on, right? So, so in terms of the charitable piece that we're, we're looking to do, I, I'm doing a lot of consulting things on, on the side. And one of the businesses I'm consulting for is a a firm engaged in improving the care home sector. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm erring towards what we do with trying to help the elderly within our communities. Yeah, so, but we need to get a lot of these products off the ground first, right? Because mm-hmm. when, when you're bootstrapped, things take a little bit longer. So you, you, you take the punches, right? Yeah. You take the punches and a, a big punch has the ability to really not floor you. <laughs> no, yeah. I totally get that. Like, if you don't have a viable business, then how are you going to help anyone else? Correct. So yeah. we need to get the, and it's taken a while to make sure that everything is embedded, cemented, and we can springboard from there. Plus, we've had to wait until things like open banking got to where it needed to 
to be able to make the next product iterations commercially viable. Because without open banking, we couldn't be able to do it. So I've had to wait a few years until it's where it's need to be. Plus, the other thing is building the right relationships. Because for us, doing what we do puts us into different environments to have the right conversations with the right people. And everybody wants to do ESG. They just are often conflicted because they can't. They're hamstrung because they're not allowed to. I mean, who's crazy enough to want to give their money away? <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because from the, the fund management side, and we have some, some listeners in fund management, people are trying to find ways to invest in, in companies based on ESG criteria. And it's difficult because there are so many ways of measuring it. There are so many ways to do it. And there are people who do it, do some amount of ESG, no doubt to cover for other things they're doing that are less than golden. <laughs> well, look, I, I estimate on a on a you know on a, a rudimentary level but half a million people taking part in which i'm currently calling ease earners you spend product half a million people doing just 300 a month which we then give back to them every month will enable us to return to them 54 million a year mm-hmm. guaranteed it also enables us to make donations of 18 million a year to charitable endeavors and everybody's winning right that's even my shareholders will be happy with that and that's cool because I own the vast majority of our business. So I have no conflict. We will be able to just do it. And the proof's in the pudding, right? Talk is cheap. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tish, keep us posted. Let us know how you get on. Uh, look, thank you for joining us uh, for the podcast, Tish. Uh, look, that does bring us to the end of the Wealth Tech Show. But really interesting to hear your story and, and to take a different angle on, on banking, neo-banking and, and payment tech, which we don't actually explore that often on the show. So thank you for coming in. Uh, pleasure. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored uh, that you've asked me. Hey, thank you. And to everyone listening in, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this one uh, as always, and we'll be back again soon. Goodbye for now.